Well, we are back in the saddle again, the three amigos here for another potluck. This time, though, we're coming from a new location. It's nice dicks. Are we going to be extra spicy today? Or are we going to be nice and mellow? Look look around. How does this room make you feel, Grant? You know, it's, it's interesting. There's a very, very old school feel with it. You know, wood floors, brick walls, but then there's a lot of glass. It's like very high class. Right. So maybe a lot like you, kind of old, <laughs> but little eye looks a little but a little, high, but a little class. Polished on the outside. Eh, do what you can. <laughs> I, I don't fit in that. I'm just old. Joe Friel, Dr. Steven Seiler, Julie Young, Julie Dibbins, Jim Miller, the list goes on. Fast Talk Laboratories is becoming the home for world-class coaches and training science experts. And now you can get it all free for 30 days. Join now at FastTalkLabs.com with the discount code 30DaysFree. That's 30-D-A-Y-S-F-R-E-E. And you'll unlock all our content. Our trial offer expires October 31st. So join now to get all the latest content from your favorite experts. Well, we got another potluck episode for you today. Each of us have our own topics, as always. We don't really know what everyone else is going to talk about. We're going to shoot from the hip, as always, on this one. But uh, yeah, hopefully it's a great conversation and uh, all, all the listeners are entertained and maybe, maybe learn something, maybe learn something today. We'll see. Yeah, so I guess the the kind of the pattern is for me to go first on these, I guess, right? Oh, well, cycling and sports in general and nothing if not traditional, so... Yeah, so we'll go with it, right? Let's keep it For a completely unstructured, intentionally unstructured show, we've kind of built some structure. We're pretty structured. (laughs) You're first, I'm second, then Rob. I always ask a training question. You always have something unique, and and Rob gets into that more inspirational side. The fluffy stuff. The fluffy stuff. I'm a fluffy guy. You know, whatever works for you. I know inspiration eh is that what we're gonna get from you today maybe maybe always trying to make people's lives better okay i like it well here's my question my question is is kind of about the american racing scene i got a i got a text today from one of my riders who's looking at coming back and doing more in the states instead of in europe and was lamenting a little bit that on one one hand there's he's like nah, the the stage races in the states don't interest me and there's only three left, right? Redlands, Joe Martin, and Gila. That's all we've got. Yep. On the men's side. On the men's side. And this was a male rider talking. But then he was also trying to decide, do I do some gravel? Do I want to just do a bunch of crits? So I guess my question is, where do we go from here with American road cycling? Does gravel save American road cycling? Is gravel ending American road cycling? We're going to take a pundit. We're going to be pundits for a minute. This is like talk radio for cycling. Welcome to (laughs) 99.5. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm interested to hear the conversation that the two of you have because I don't know that I have too much to contribute to this because I personally, I am so far outside of the American road racing scene that you're listing off these stage races and I'm like, I have no experience with them. I, I am the guy that went to gravel years ago. Well, uh, maybe I'm the future. Maybe that's what I am in this. Well, I think that's exactly the point. You know, what is it? Okay. But what is it for you as a fan then? What are you interested in looking at? Are you interested in what we're doing from a roadside at all in the States? Or are you just interested in gravel? 
or you're not interested in any of it unless you're participating in it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hate to say it. I'm I'm not a fan of cycling. I'm a participant of cycling. And yeah. I'll I'll watch the tour, right? It'll be on in the background when I'm doing some work or whatever. But I don't really go out of my way to watch anything but European cyclocross. You know, that's that's what I'm a fan of, to tell you the truth. And and we watch every European cyclocross race. And I definitely do not have a VPN or anything that allows me to watch these things in the U.S. because it's difficult, right? right. I definitely don't jump through hoops, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't even spectate gravel races or anything else can you spectate a gravel race i, I mean remotely it's there's not, not a no. ton to consume because i mean flow bikes was supposed to cover a bunch of the races and then they literally pulled the plug on that yeah because it, it was the logistics of it were too hard oh, to cover incredible yeah and that that's a question for me is participation based versus spectator based that makes you american it makes me american but a clear spectator base i think is really important for the health of sports. Think of American football, uh, American baseball, all of those things are ultimately spectator sports in the whole scheme of things. You look at the number of people participating in those sports, it's a heck of a lot lower. But what do you have then? You have a lot of spectators and you have a lot of companies who are vying for their eyes, who are sponsoring, who are trying to get in front. And that pumps a lot of money into these sports. And so, is that what's happening in road cycling now? Well, that's essentially the difference between American cycling and European cycling. American cycling is a participation-based sport. So people go out and they do it. They do it up to our age and they do whatever. We talked about this for cyclocross forever. Who's at a cyclocross race in America? It's the people, or, or North America, it's the people that participate. Correct. It's not a lot of people there that are fans. Nope. So maybe they're watching their friends, maybe they're watching their families. But even in the old days of, say, Boulder Cup, when they made a big deal of it and they got on the radio and they announced they put up flyers all around town, Chris Grealish did a great job at that. Some people would show up for a good beer garden and watch. Yeah. Yep. But this is a very unique town. So the majority of the places we go, if you go to Roanoke, Virginia, people aren't coming out just to watch the bike race. Nope. Yeah. So look, there's differing definitions of what makes a pro team and what makes a pro race. Technical definition, you get a pro card if you are on a pro team and that makes you a pro. Right. And if they, a race says it has a pro one race at it, that is a pro race. That's how some people define it. I think the way you're going to see more people define it is that spectatorship side. You know, think of other sports like baseball or NFL. If there's an NFL game where it's not on TV and nobody comes to the the game, is it really a professional right. football game? Right. And by that definition, no, there is no professional racing in North America. And this takes it to, again, back to the cyclocross thing. If you go to a cyclocross race in Europe, there's no amateur race. Nope. There's no amateur race within 50 miles of nope. that. That was one of the unique things when they started Masters Worlds is that they didn't have them in Belgium very often because there weren't a lot of participants in Belgium. Yep. Right. So cyclocross and cycling in general in Europe is NASCAR in the States. Yep. Nobody really does it. Maybe they go out and drive their car or ride their bike to work. That's what they do, but they're watching the precipitation. Wow. Watching, wow. Well, they watching are watching the, rain. the precipitation. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a porky pig moment. Precipita- precip- it rained a lot. you like that reference so that's one of the major differences of of the sport from the beginning right we haven't had maybe we did briefly with things like the course classic with uh (laughs) tour de trump 
we had some of those elements briefly back in what was that late 80s, early 90s. It got really popular around Le Monde, but it never has picked up again. And so where I do we go from here? I would say we had another spike, a big spike in the 2000s. So I'll give a, a little history here. And, and that's because of the popularity of Lance Armstrong. Right. You and really you were saw, in the midst of this. I was in the midst of this. And, and here's what will just blow your mind. I remember, so I raced, you know, most of my racing was in the 2000s. You know, I was still going to a few pro races up to kind of 2016, 2017. So I actually saw the decline as it was happening. I remember in 2007, the teams in the U.S. were complaining about the number of races on the calendar. The NRC calendar had over 50 races, and I think it was 26 or 27 significant stage races. And it was just impossible for the domestic teams to get to all of them, and they were actually complaining about that many races. So right. back then, it felt professional. Back then, you had European teams, international teams, that were coming over to do the, the North American circuit. You know, I remember being in races with a helicopter filming it, so we actually had the TV coverage. Yeah. That's not what exists anymore. You start to see that decline. And, and so here's a bit of history I'll give and my interpretation of it. It started with the race organizers. You saw race organizers, and this was particularly after all the doping scandals. You saw all the race organizers. It was getting harder and harder for them to bring in sponsorship. And so they were starting to disappear. I forget his name, but the guy who organized Mount Hood and Cascades, two of the big races, he was struggling more and more. He was a major race organizer in, in North America. I am going to blame the riders a little bit here, too, because there was this movement to really paint race organizers as bad guys who are just trying to make money. Here's the truth. When you're organizing a road race, at best, you'll break even. These race organizers were killing themselves. They weren't making any money. And then you had athletes that were complaining about them, painting them as bad guys. They didn't do good enough a job. They're just out for money. And eventually, these race organizers just said, why am I bothering? I mean, that's what happened with Chris Grealish, who yeah. put together a bunch of good races in, uh, around Boulder. Yeah. And they just said, why am I doing this? Why am I killing myself to put together these events just to be painted as a bad guy? Well, and eventually, there are a couple race organizers that can make money doing races, but most of the money they're making not a triathlon. Yep. Because you got a ton of people in it. And again, you know, what, what is driving this? Is it the spectators or is it the participants? And I think that that's what we're seeing on the gravel side of things. Participation in gravel is way up. So if there's going to be any money anywhere and it's not going to come from spectators and sponsors, it has to come from participants. And if you're chasing participants, Gravel is the only place that really has that. I, I shouldn't say it to that extreme, right? But road participation, I think, is down. Yep. Gravel participation is up. Well, well and here's, here's my opinion. I think gravel has the potential to save North American racing. Because as you pointed out, a race organizer can make money doing a gravel race. Right. People seem to be a little more relaxed and kind of accepting of gravel races if they're not organized perfectly, <laughs> which means a race organizer is going to have a better experience. I think gravel is going to bring back race organizers. It's going to get them more excited, more interested. And if we get the race organizers back, hopefully some of them are going to start saying, hey, let's try something else. Let's put together a road race. Let's put together a stage race. Let me ask a maybe difficult question. Do we let road racing die? Do we understand that 
a lot of race organizers. We've tried to do this for decades. People have come. They were supposed to be the next best thing. They had the great idea that was going to unlock the secret to, to success. And they fizzled out after a few years. And the big racing happens in Europe. The spectators are in Europe. The best competition is in Europe. Do we maintain an amateur racing series here in the U.S., but do we kind of just let pro racing in the U.S. die? I think we already have. I mean, I, I mean, I, choice. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that we can do. And I, I think Trevor makes a really good point. Listen, gravel is very similar to triathlon or running in yeah. the 80s or 90s, right? People are going to come to gravel because there's a completion element to gravel. If you go to Unbound and you complete it, that's a really good. That's why most people are there, right? And and you did something special, right? That's hard to do. Yep. We got to the point with marathons, and and this is why there's so many shoe contracts and running, right? Like marathons, you can go out. How many people are in the Boston Marathon? How many people are in the Key West Marathon? How many people are running these really, frankly, pretty small marathons around the country? There's a ton of people in them. That way, the race organizer can make money. Then they can put some prize money into it. Now, maybe they draw some sponsors because it's it's right. good to look at and it's good to see. Gravel can do all of those pieces of the puzzle, right? We can have enough people in that we get a prize purse. Now we have enough people in that we're going to have some sponsors walk into it. And this just piles on. And Trevor may be right. I mean, these are people that like cycling, right? So maybe they come to this point where they're like, well, I want race organizer. I want to bring back a major stage race in the United right. States. So I'm going to try to revive Tour of California or Tour of Colorado. That's the kind of stuff that you can do. I'm going to be really interested to see what happens in Maryland at that Maryland Cycling Classic that's happening here in a couple of weeks. That's a UCI race in the States. We've been waiting for it to happen for two years. It's got a big element of it in downtown Baltimore around the Inner Harbor, which is going to look great on TV. So we'll see. That can get me on a whole nother soapbox of the fact that we don't develop one-day racers in the United States. All we try to develop is stage racers and climbers and maybe having a one-day race like Philly was. And is this something we can keep in Maryland for a long time? I'm curious to see how it goes. I'm curious if anybody watches it. I'm curious if fans come out. Here's the other thing I'm going to throw at you guys that you might totally disagree with. And I'm going to, I'm going to take some hard stances here. And I'm talking more as, as a racer, remembering what the scene was like. I disagree. <laughs> He's already there. I was about to say Rob is a beautiful, wonderful person, and but he disagreed. I disagree. I disagree <laughs> with that, too. He probably disagree uh, with that. So here's my statement. We do not need to bring back Tour of California or Tour of Colorado. I think those races hurt North American racing. I don't think they helped, and here's why. The idea behind those was to get that maybe not quite the Tour de France level stage race, but like a Dauphiné level race. In Europe, you can have races that level because Europe lives and breathes cycling. They have the spectatorship. We don't have that in North America. We just, you're not going to get all Americans behind, let's have this giant stage race. So it would be great. They've tried a couple times to have a grand tour in North America. It hasn't worked. I think we need to look at what is the size of our spectatorship here. And we have a decent spectatorship and to, if we wanted to rebuild North American racing, right, let's get back to let's have those five-day stage races. Let's have the, the Mount Hoods, the Cascades, the Altoonas, and accept the fact that North American racing will always be a level below European racing. 
but build a really good system for developing North American riders that we can then get them to the top level of European racing. Trevor, I'm glad you said that because what I was thinking of is what is the purpose? What is the goal? Why do we have pro-level right. North American racing? Is it so that our pro-level riders can race continentally here so they don't have to go to Europe so they're not away from their family? Is that the goal? Is it so that we can develop talent? Or is it so that we have entertainment for spectators? And I think that the answer to that really helps us flush out exactly how we should approach North American racing and ultimately what the value is. Well, I'll, I'll leave this with my last maybe controversial take. I don't think any of that matters. I think we didn't develop talent, U23 talent in the United States to get to the point where we develop the next great American rider. Yep. Because until we develop the next great American rider, nobody's going to care about watching cycling in the United States. The United States is all about what we're good at. We will watch what an American is good at. Americans don't watch sports that they don't participate in. This is why soccer has been such a brutal developing sport in the United States. It has helped immensely when the women win the World Cup. That has been the driver of development of soccer in the United States. And this is why that whole debate over equal pay was ridiculous. The American women's team drove American soccer. The men's team has done nothing. MLS has helped somewhat. So now we have some of that American talent. But until we can go out and win a World Cup on the men's side, it's not going to grow much more because that's... American sport is chauvinistic and Homer-based. So we need to develop more American talent that can win the biggest races. Here's my take on that. I agree with you. We need to develop the the North American talent. And so we every once in a while get emails on the show of you're talking too much to pros. The the training advice that what we give in the show is actually not designed for pros. (laughs) If you are a pro trying to get to the top level, here's what I'm (laughs) going to don't don't listen to what we (laughs) tell you. Don't just go do it. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You need to train up to a certain level. Once you get to that level, what what you can accomplish with training to get to that highest level, you need a couple of years of doing a hundred plus race starts per season. You just need experience. You need to be racing every weekend. You need to be doing constant five, six, seven day stage races to be able to hit that highest level. Training can't give you that intensity, can't teach you to tolerate that sort of pain. So we can't develop those top level riders until they can get those race starts. Trevor, why don't I'm I'm, a training question. I have a training question. Well, that's a good segue, right? Because we just, you just talked about training and getting to the next level for somebody. So let's go to a training question. Okay. So this is a, I want you to justify what I'm doing, which I know is wrong. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. We're, we're a radio, we're a radio station today. So thanks for calling 99.5 caller number two. You're on the air. So this is my calling in saying my girlfriend's cheating on me. She never comes home. Wow. Tell me that she still loves me. His dog bit him. His truck broke down. So that's a country song. Yeah, there we go. We'll do a country song about my training. So look, let me just start this by saying I have had a pretty lousy season. I have not been motivated this season. So I have been finding it hard to go and do my intervals, go and do my work. So I have been doing something more and more. And I just did this on Tuesday, which I am convincing myself is a good thing when I probably know it isn't. And I'm interested in your takes, which is 
I get on Zwift to do my intervals. So Tuesday, I was going to do my five by five minute intervals. I got through the first one and said, I don't want to do anymore. So I made a bargain with myself, get through two or three more, and then I can hop in a Zwift race. And then I'll get all my intensity. As a matter of fact, I'll get more intensity because I've done some intervals and then I've added 20 minutes of racing. And this will all be great. And I did that. So I got through three and a half instead of my five and then jumped to a Zwift race, spent 15 minutes in the Zwift race and went, that was a great workout. I think I'm deluding myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I have been doing this all year. So what's your take on this? I, 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 I'm sorry. I think this is hilarious. I was looking at Rob's face during some of this and that was, it was no, classic. No, 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 no. And this might need to be off mic, but the reason I was laughing is Trevor, if you can't see this, but if you recall, Grant's phone was just vibrating. And so what did he do with his vibrating phone? He is now sitting on it. I'm sitting on it. <laughs> and I was looking for my phone so I could call him because <laughs> I wanted to see to what would happen. <laughs> Well, you know what would happen? It, it, listen, if if there's anything that can muffle sound, it's my ass. <laughs> it's, it's your butt. So, so I'm basically asking for a therapy session. Here, okay. Am I deleting oh, myself? And your oh, answer is not paying attention. Let, hey, I'm looking at your sitting on his phone. Can, <laughs> l- let, me, let me ask this question first. Be, before we kind of dive into the training side of it, you haven't been performing as well as you normally do. Your motivation is down. You know, I'm sure that stress is probably high. Are you in a place where you're overreaching or overtraining? Is that a possibility at this point in time? Because, God, no. okay. <laughs> so, e- e- even considering that life stress and, and whatever else, that can be a huge factor, even though your training isn't as hard as it was. I just want to. So, I know why my motivation is low, and we won't go into that today. We might have that as a different conversation. So, no, I mean, I know what overtraining feels like. This is the furthest I've ever felt away from overtraining <laughs> okay. in probably 15 years. I'm, I have been feeling all season undertrained and yeah. it's because I'm just not putting in the time and the, the training. Perfect. And, and I think that everybody needs to ask that question first because oftentimes you can end up in this situation, not realize how you got to that situation and people can just push harder and, and it, makes, it makes it a worse situation. So now mm. that we're clear on that, Grant, well, yeah, so that's the typical response, right? Like if if you're overtraining, you're not performing, so you train harder. Okay, that's not what's going on. Now, my side of the world goes, why is the motivation down, right? There's three things that drive motivation. We've talked about this, autonomy, competence, and relatedness, right? So I'd look at Trevor. If I, if I was doing a session with you, Trevor, I'd sit there and go, okay, it's uh, probably the competence piece right now. Yep. You're used to racing at a very high level. You don't feel like you necessarily can race at a very high level right now. So that beats up motivation. My take on the world is, and, and maybe, I don't know if I'm helping delude you or not, if it's something you're willing to do, do it. If that's a way to work hard, if that's a way to get some training in, that'll get you back in the door. I experienced a ton of this last year. And, and I don't know if it was top of the race age group. So, and I was super busy during cross, just trying to run the team. I was trying to do all this stuff. I didn't care. I literally didn't care. I didn't train very hard. I'd get on the bike. I didn't race very hard. I didn't do much at all. I just was like kind of hanging out. So, you know, this year has been totally different for me. I think it's because part of it is oh, I'm 50, right? Race age 50. I can be competitive. 
The kid's in full day. Because he's the youngest of the old people? Yeah. Kid's in full day preschool. Oh, I got Whoa, time to train. Time. Right? I got yep. all this stuff. I'm out of grad school. Oh, my God. So for me, I think it really is what whatever works for you, you've got to start with that and then maybe build a training plan around that. Do something which, different. Which is fair. But so let's move beyond the motivation side. And I, I want to ask the pure training question. Is that training as good or even better or worse than if I had done the original plan of just getting my intervals? Is mixing this up still good training or should is this like your plate? You should keep your meat and your peas separate. <laughs> well, I think that, that that's a value judgment. And I, and I don't know that the value judgment is appropriate at this point in time because something is better than nothing. And what what is the saying? Like perfect is the bane of good, or so you you know what I you know what I mean. Yeah. I well, think what, what, I know what was you mean. it? I was always it? I always tell my athletes, don't let the perfect get in the way of the good enough. Right. Exactly. I'm just not certain this is good enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so well, Grant, as a coach, I'm interested in your take. Here's my answer, and my answer, unfortunately, is nine times out of ten, it depends. So what what you were doing the other day, I think that's probably fine. Because you were, what were you going to do? Five, six, five. It's going to five by five. Five so by I did five. At, three and a half, kind of crappy, and then right. a okay, five by five at threshold, race. right? So you're going to go low rest, get 25 minutes of work in, and go from there. Well, instead, all right, maybe you did a little bit of tempo in before that, but you know, a Zwift race to me is just a threshold workout. You're just sitting at threshold for yeah. a, a period of time. Pretty much. You know, they, there's which no I agree with. And I've thought about that. And that's why I hopped in a crit, which was not <laughs> a threshold workout at all. But even, even to me, now you guys know me. I love spiky stuff. I love yeah. to go way above or way below. Even to me, the crits in Zwift are pretty moderate. They keep it within spiky. a level. Right. Yeah. They're not yeah. that spiky. Because even if you wind it up, you're winding it up for a period of time. All right. So if it were me as a coach, I'd be like, yeah, that's great because you got a bunch of threshold time with some spikes of higher effort that forced you to recover at threshold or just below threshold. Right. So I like to mix and match efforts. And this is one of the things that you're struggling with because you don't like your peas to touch your potatoes as a coach. I don't care if the peas are in the potatoes. What about your franks and your beans? Should those I, listen, be commingled? I, I am the guy that, with my ice cream, puts everything in the ice cream and then waits a minute and then mixes it all he, up. He, his peas, potatoes, and ice cream are all on the same plate. <laughs> oh, I love peas, potatoes, and ice cream. This is a great flavor. This is good to know. I'm going to throw some jalapenos in your ice cream. <laughs> Watch your face. Have you ever had jalapeno ice cream? It's quite good. I, I have not. Is right, there well. such a thing? Yes. There is such thing. You know, getting back on topic here. Why? No, Why because, are we getting back because, on topic? Because Trevor needs to hear oh, from Trevor us. Trevor needs us. Well, no, Trevor you, you give me your answer. Your <laughs> answer is Go you got the it. job done. My, my answer is this. My answer is if you're trying to do threshold or threshold with spikes that are trying to get you to recover at threshold, the Zwift race is always going to work. If you're trying to get true VO2 max work or <laughs> true extended tempo work, those things aren't going to work in a Swift race. No, they're not. Good the, answer. The other side of this is I think that you came out of this happier and in a better place. And if that is the path that you need to take to help you get back into the full motivation to enjoying riding, because you know what? Maybe this workout wasn't the best workout. Physiologically, if we studied it in a lab, I'm sure it doesn't get you the best return. 
but that's okay because you might be feeling better. You seemed happier after doing that. So does next week, are you able to go and you're motivated and you're going to do that full workout and you're not going to have to take this sort of shortcut out of it? I think that all of those things are very important because the best workout for an athlete is not the best workout on a piece of paper. It's the best workout that that athlete is able to do, to complete, to feel motivated, to feel happy, to feel encouraged. All of that is really, in my opinion, incredibly important, more so than the perfect, like to the second, to the watt workout. I will always, always say what you just said. And that's my starting point. Now, Trevor asked me as a, pure coach and a training piece. Yeah, I think it worked for what you were doing. I think it is not well-rounded enough for an entire training plan. <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> but <laughs> um, how would you write this in training peaks? Uh, give up halfway through your workout, do a Zwift race. <laughs> well, do, I'll it, give you, do what you did last Tuesday. I, <laughs> I will give you my take on it which is looking at it as a coach if one of my athletes was doing this. If an athlete, if I signed them the five by, let's say I, their routine right now was five by fives twice a week. And one of the, you know, so I'm looking at their report for the week and on Thursday they had the five by fives and they did exactly what I did and just said, I uh, just having a low motivation day when, so, you know, I hopped into a race and, and got, you know, just helped me stay motivated. I go fine you've made the right choice. If I gave them five by fives twice a week and every single time they were doing two, three intervals and then hopping in a Zwift race, I would go, this isn't working and let's have a talk. So maybe the five by fives aren't for you. We need to find something else, but you can't be doing this every time. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, part of the reason that I like indoor riding or indoor riding works for me is because how I train and what I like is shorter, harder, more intense intervals. And I feel like I have an easier time knocking those out on the trainer. I can wrap my head around a minute on the trainer. I can wrap my head around two minutes on the trainer, 30-second sprints on the trainer. I have a hard time wrapping my head around 10 minutes of LT on a trainer. Really? Yes. You don't the have that exact problem. opposite. I know, I know. And, and, and different people are different ways. And this is what kind of Rob was alluding to. The uniqueness of an individual is super important. I'll look at it and go minute on, minute off on the trainer. Oh, it's sweet spot, man. Like that, that's like my sweet, I will nail that all day long. I'll do 20 of them. I feel great doing that. That was the old Sufferfest workout. Just sure knock them out. Uh -huh. Thank you, Neil Henderson. Yeah, right? Neil. Revolver. And, and, and you know, and I, I remember Revolver before it was actually Revolver. That, so that's how old so school we're so OGs of that workout. Yeah, yeah. And I love that workout. Like, that's if I have a low motivation moment, that's what I load up. I'm just like, I'm just going to knock this out because yeah. I feel good doing it. And I think that's part of what you're kind of getting at too. Where do you feel good? Right. You can feel really good in that place. And to come back to Rob's point, and I don't think, hey, like, I think you guys, talked to somebody about this recently, you can't separate the training from the mind, right? Right. They don't get pulled apart. There is absolutely no way to pull those two things apart. So how do you make somebody feel competent? You hopped in a Zwift race, probably came out of that Zwift race and went, I did all right. Yeah. So it was a crit. But it was it's a Zwift crit, <laughs> right? It's, a, it's like you're, you're in this box in a Zwift crit. Well, the, the worst part of it is I've done the Zwift crit course a few times, but always 
counterclockwise. Oh, the other direction. And so for the first time, I, I did it clockwise and didn't realize there's a hill. Oh, yeah. There's a and significant they hit that hill, hill hard. <laughs> it goes, it like stair steps up the hill and you got to like rip it up that hill. So I got popped the first lap. So here I'm hopping into it to get motivated. I'm like, I'm a minute and a half in and I just got popped. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be at the front of the field at that. And then I, I usually drift backward on most laps so that I'm controlling a little yeah. bit there. I love that course. Yeah. But that I did allude to that when I was saying what I would do with one of my athletes. And putting aside the, the first question of, are you overtrained? Right. If you've addressed that, if I give an interval workout to an athlete and they're consistently not doing it and hopping in a Zwift race, I don't go, I'm not going to yell at the athlete and say, you got to do this. I look at that and go, they don't like these intervals. Yeah, let's this go a different not a, direction. So we got to find a better direction for you. Right. I mean, so that enjoyment factor, you know, seems seems like it's really a big, important thing, right? Intervals hurt. And look, th there's no way to get around that. If you do good intervals, they're going <laughs> to hurt. Right. But there are some intervals that people are okay with saying, I'm going to hurt doing these. And mm -hmm. there are other intervals where it hurts. I hate these intervals. It sucks. I don't want to do this. And everybody has their wheelhouse. This is what I was talking about. One one on one off is my wheelhouse. Yeah. LT is Trevor's wheelhouse. Going really, really hard for a short period of time is your wheelhouse. I don't like doing that on the trainer though. Okay. So going really you don't like anything on a trainer. I, I no, love, he, he likes doing I love, LSD I love, rides. I, I, love, I love doing my base rides in erg mode on the trainer. Oh, my, my God. You're, you're what a I'm psychopath. About. He does a two-hour <laughs> steady-state ride in erg mode. It's not steady-state. It fluctuates up and down, but the computer controls that for me, and I don't have to look at it. <laughs> what are you looking at? I don't like watching Netflix or whatever. Okay, okay. And, and this is this is we my problem. We're staring at a brick wall. No, yeah, we've talked about this before. Mm. I if if I'm not in erg mode, I have to actually watch the course, which means I need to shift and, and everything else. I can't focus on the Great British Baking Show. You know, <laughs> you're you are a child of the Compu Trainer. <laughs> I, I am right. I, I am. And the yeah. fact that my question ended with the Great British Baking Show. I think we're done. I think we have answered this question. Good. We are good. I have nothing left to ask. Take so, it Rob. away, Rob. Perfect. This is Coach Ryan from Fast Talk Laboratories. For just a few more days, we are offering our inside test at half price. Inside shows you the truth about your physiology, your metabolic capacities, your load characteristics, your strengths and weaknesses, and more. This is a great time of year for testing. Test now to start your 2023 training with a great baseline. Reserve your test by October 31st for half price on inside testing. See more at fasttalklabs.com. Well, guys, you know, all of my questions come from inexperience. And this time, there I was just laying on the massage table. And it came to me, I have not had a massage in, in a long time. And beep, did it feel good. Anyway, here, here's my question is, my life is often very hectic. Work, riding, kids, yes. wife that travels and, and races herself. Grant, you're in a, a pretty similar situation. I know you were sort of saying how busy you guys are right now. Yep. And so my question is this, and, and Trevor, you're, you're owning and running businesses and training and whatever else. So, so we all have a lot and everyone out there has a lot going on as well. What is it that you do for self-care? What emphasis do you place on yourself to help balance all of the things that are going on in the world around you? And, and I'll just kick this off by saying massage for me is oftentimes more about my mind than it is my legs. 
if I want my legs to feel good, I, I got my percussion massager sure. and that really helps me recover from a workout. I can't get a massage every day. But I know that taking that moment for myself helps calm everything inside of me when the world is a lot, when it's too much. And I, I can judge when things feel too much when I stop doing these self-care things. You, you know, like yeah. it, it, it pushes them down. And yeah. so, you know, Grant, Trevor, and, and this is something I'd love to hear from, from everyone out there. What is it that you have in your life that helps you balance? And if you don't have something... Then, then maybe let's get some inspiration going for people. And what could it be? You want to go first? Sure. For me, it's <laughs> it's training, <laughs> and but 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 I don't look at training as. And maybe this is why I wasn't motivated to race very hard last year. Like I'd hop in races because I wanted to see the course. I wanted to help out my athletes, but like I wasn't going as deep as I'd gone in the past. But for me. Training and racing is my break. It's that time that I get to step away from everything else. I've I've gotten to a point in my life where I don't look at training as a have to. I don't look at it as a got to. I, it's a I get to. Hey, man, like this is my hour. I get to tune everything else out. And I do a lot of meditation on the bike, whether that is on my long rides outside where it's just making a focused point to look at the mountains, look at what's around here and have some gratitude for where I live, what I've done, what I've done with my life to I could get to this point. So it's self-gratitude too. It's gratitude to the people around me. And then intervals for me or meditation. I think I've talked about this before. I'm a big believer in that retiring athletes need to find a replacement for natural meditation that they did in their training. Hey, if you're going a five minute interval and you're outside, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? You're not thinking about anything. You're thinking about your breathing. Maybe occasionally you're looking at your Watts and everything else that comes into your mind. What are you doing with it? I'm just going to put that away for the next four and a half minutes. Oh man, you didn't pay your bills. I'm going to put that away for the next three minutes. That's meditation. And so we're doing that naturally as athletes. I've just really, that's what I rely on. And when I don't have that, I really, really struggle in my life. Grant, do you think that does this happen just naturally for you? Or is this something that you're purposefully engaging with activity to elicit this response? I think a little bit of both. I think growing up a swimmer, you don't, there's nothing. I mean, you're staring at a black line on the bottom of a pool when you're doing intervals, right? If you're going really, really hard as a swimmer in the water, all you can think about is your breathing because otherwise you drown. So like that natural meditation of interval style workout that got built into me as a swimmer. As an adult, it was a lot of intention, really taking a step away from the results defining what I was trying to do and coming to a place that says, hey, man, athletics is something that I have the pleasure of doing at 40 years old. It is not, it doesn't define me. It doesn't make me good or bad. If I win this race or I get 10th in this race, that doesn't matter. I get to race. Yep. And I, I think gratitude's become a huge aspect of my life. And so as you know what you're saying? If I go out for a base ride and I'm alone, I like riding alone, but I really will force myself at an early point in a ride to stop 
and look around mm-hmm. and really take a moment to take that in and go, you know, this is a really cool place to live or this is a really cool place to ride. Or, <laughs> I mean, I've done base rides in awful places and <laughs> gone, well, this is a really particular place. Yeah. yeah, you know? yeah. And, and so I think those things for me, yeah, there's a lot of intention and then there's a lot of awareness of that natural piece of it that just got built into my life. And now I do that with intention. Yeah, I think the intention and the awareness is important because if you rush home from work and you rush out to the garage and you rush onto your bike and you rush through your workout and you rush home and you make dinner, you're not getting these positive benefits. But if you break that cycle, if 10 minutes into your ride, you stop and you look around and you say, man, the sky is pretty today or listen to those birds or you wave at people going, you yep. have the intentionality that I think can really change. And, and that's really important to do because it changes how you're engaging with the riding and it can make riding a self-care situation as opposed to a, I have to, I need to. Yeah. To me, that's the key, right? I really, and, and honestly, I'll, I'll have this conversation with professionals who are living and dying on their result. If you're looking at your training as an, I have to, you're going to struggle at places. Yeah. You're going to have a hard time. I mean, it's the same thing with anything that's, you know, if you, if your job is a, is a dredge, you just got to get through it. I just have to do it. This is how I make money. Lives go by really quickly, right? The old fairies, if you don't stop to look around every once in a while, you Super just fun. might miss it. And, mm-hmm. and I think, how do you find some fun? How do you find what makes it joyous? I mean, we've all had this experience. I have an hour that I have to get through. Dude, that hour takes forever. Mm. I remember walking on the pool deck early on in my coaching career, and I was teaching. I was coaching. I was barely making any money. I was hanging on for dear life, right? And I remember getting on the pool deck and going, I got to get through this two hours. And it was miserable. It was the slowest two hours, right? But if I made a choice to actively walk in and engage as much as I could, this is why I became such a technical swim coach. Because otherwise, what do you do? You sit back, you give a set, and you read the paper, (laughs) right? So become a technical swim coach, the two hours would fly by because there's always something to do. And you get engaged with people. And it just, man, it just livens life up. So, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I got like real deep. Yeah, no, that's good. T Dog, I I thought that you would be the T-dog? training. Yeah, T Dog today. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one to me. <laughs> I thought that you would be the training person in Grant. I I pegged Grant as a as a meditation person. So Trevor, are you going to surprise me with uh, how you implement some self care here? I, I probably am. So look, I am that guy who got really out of balance. I do work long hours. And got to a point where you know, I was working till 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, getting up in the morning, exhausted, trying to get my training in when I could get to work, work another long day. And it got to be a grind and found myself getting less and less effective. Yeah. Because you know, the way I described it to a friend is, you know, think about school exam week and those exam weeks, they can kind of be fun or you, know, you can you can do them for a week, right? right but then right, you get a right. rest. And I kind of went every week is <laughs> that an exam was, week, yeah. And my body is finally saying can't do this. But the interesting thing I have found trying to get myself into balance is there are a lot of factors. So you can say, oh, I'm going to try meditation, or I'm going to try writing, or I'm going to do this at this particular time. What I've found is a that can change. 
B, that might work for somebody else. It might not work for you, or it might even change how it works for you. So let me give you an example. I think back to 10 years ago when I felt really imbalanced. I was a night owl. So my favorite thing in the world to do, I had this coffee shop that I loved. It was a 24-hour coffee shop. I would go there, do all my reading, do all my research. I would leave there usually 11, 30, 12. He knew it was a 24-hour coffee shop because he was there all 24 right. hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I would never get out of there before 11. Often get out about midnight, go home, relax for an hour, hour and a half, get to bed about 1.30 you know, wake up in the morning, get back to my routine. And I would do my training kind of mid afternoon and actually felt really imbalanced. Training was part of my relaxation, but actually sitting at that coffee shop was a relaxation for me. I found an interesting thing with COVID is I didn't have my coffee shop anymore. Mm. I tried to keep my routine, but do it at home. And mm. what I found was what was a joy at a coffee shop was a struggle that drained me yeah. at home. And I would wake up in the morning feeling like I got hit by a truck and I just slowed down more and more and more. So I've actually switched my routine to, I now shut down about 10 o'clock because I know I'm just not productive after 10. All the stuff I used to like to do at night, I'm now finding I actually enjoy more in the morning. Like I would do a stretch routine at night watching mm -hmm. TV. I actually now like doing that in the morning. So even that, that is something that kept me in balance. The timing of it was important. And I had to shift it to the morning. So now I go to bed earlier and I get up much earlier and my time to relax. I have a couple hours before I come into work where that's, I do my stretching. I do my exercise routine. I've tried meditation and I use uh, first when I tried the meditation, I was doing it right before I went to bed and I hated it. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. meditation sucks. And finally one morning I woke up, I'm like, why don't I try it in the morning? And I did the routine in the morning. I went, Oh, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. I think timing is really important with that. And, and, I mean, you had a really interesting point is it is so different for every individual. 100%. And how things change. Like, I totally agree with that with a massage, yep. right? And I used to go in and get a massage and go, I don't really need you to fix anything. Yeah, I know. Just, just, yeah. just, just give me a rub down for Touch a little bit. Touch me a little bit <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll zone out for an hour. Yeah. I am to the point now where I do the opposite. The person who does my body work is a friend. Yep. We talk for the entire mm -hmm. hour. Yeah. And honestly, he's just fixing stuff, yeah. right? Like I drove back from Montana. So I spent 10 hours in a car. Please fix me. Yeah, right. So that's really shifted in my life. I don't have that luxury, whatever it was. And, and so I don't do it. And it's so much about, I think there's, there's a lot of value in routine. I think there's a lot of value in what feels good and what feels safe to you and what feels like I, I have control over this. Yeah. I, I, I can do this. And you made a point earlier, and I, I always like to touch on this, transition time. To me, transition time is everything for everybody. And we've mm -hmm. lost transition time. When, when I take my kids to school, they have to be in the school by 7.50. Mm -hmm. They don't start anything till eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. They have a 10 minute transition time. You were at home. Now you're in school. And I find myself doing this all the time. I'm going to do this podcast until this time. And then I'm going to start the next thing at that same time. Well, you can't do that. You can't end one thing at 11 and start the next thing at 11. At 11 yeah. So building in a half an hour of just time. I don't have time for that. You can, if you build it in. And what do you do? Sometimes you get through 20 minutes of it and you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to go to the next thing. But I talk about this with athletes all the time. 
get away from the rest of your life, take a moment to leave that behind, step into the workout, do the workout, take a moment to leave the workout behind, go hang out with your friends or your family or your loved ones. I think you bring up a really important question about time, and now we're getting way outside of the, the, the training world, but just general advice. I have certainly seen, so going back to when I said my routine didn't work anymore and I was getting drained, I was, even though I was trying to get as much time as I could, I was probably doing about a half an hour's worth of work in an hour. Mm. So I really wasn't gaining time. Yeah. Where when I find myself in balance and rested and in a good place, you know, I'm one of those, there's no such a thing as giving 120%. You can only give 100%. Right. So I'll say you can get an hour's worth of work in an hour's time. Yep. Well, and that's unusual, right? I mean, that's hitting your potential. That's one of the, I joke about this all the time. Like my brother, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but my brother has a desk job and, you know, he's an architect and he's busy, but he talks about how busy he is all the time. But I got, I get so much random crap from him in the middle of the day yeah, about right. the Cleveland Browns or the Guardians or like yeah. just bike racing. Did you see this? I'm like, well, what are you doing? I thought you worked 24 seven. Yeah. And, and. So the distractions within our lives and our workspaces right now are so extreme that it's very rare that we're doing an hour worth of work in an hour. And that's, I think the effectiveness that you both are pointing out right now is the reason for this. Oftentimes we feel overwhelmed. We stop taking care of ourselves. We stop doing the routine that works. We stop getting our massages or going for our rides or having our intentionality. And we get progressively worse at what we do, which means it takes progressively longer which means we have less time, which means we're less effective, and it, and it feeds this cycle. That's why I think that it's important and why I bring this up. What is it that you do to make sure that people are doing it? Because it can be so hard to take that moment out of your day or to put that thought into what your routine is. But taking that, even though it feels initially like it's going to be counterproductive, like it's taking you away from what you have to do, ultimately can make you more effective and give you more time in the future to, to do so, the things you want to. When I set up these businesses, um, my dad has also run a business. So I went to him, obviously, and said, Dad, what's your advice here? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he told me that really resonated is he said, too many bosses focus on the time that their employees are putting in. What you need to focus on is what they're getting done. Yep. And yeah. that, I mean, and that's a great point coming out of COVID, right? We want to get everybody, bosses want to get people back in the office it shouldn't be about where it gets done. It should be about productivity. Yep. The other thing that I think, and, and I'll, my final point with this is one of the things that I'm a big believer in is in self-forgiveness. Give yourself a break. Just mm -hmm. take that second and go, it's okay. Maybe I messed up today, but you know what? It's all right. And, and I, I get Part of this for me is that transition time. I, there's a lot of times that I said I was going to get on the bike at five and I don't end up getting on the five at night. And I'm going to don't end up getting on the bike till five 30. Well, I got to be off the bike by six 30. Cause that's when we all sit down for dinner. Right. right. So oh, I only got an hour in, I can punish the heck out of myself for missing that half an hour or I can go, you know what? I needed it. Yeah. That was appropriate yep. today. I needed it. I get an hour in, I'll go hard for an hour. Dude, I'm a 50 year old bike racer. What's it matter? Like enjoy your an hour instead of spending 30 minutes of that hour being mad that you missed the 30 <laughs> minutes from earlier. Yep. And there, there's so much of this stuff that we do. So the self care, I, yeah, like 
self-forgiveness is huge and gratitude is huge and self-gratitude is huge. I think we don't do enough time of that. Hey, you know what? <laughs> right? Go into bed. You did a good job today, Grant. Pat Man, I thought, I thought back. I was the fluffy guy. Grant's over no, here patting I'm himself huge, in the back. Listen, I'm a huge fluffy guy. Like, I think we need so much more time in our lives to take a second to tell everybody else good job and to tell ourselves no. good job. And we don't do it enough. And and the more we do that, I uh, dude, you talk about trotting out studies. I could trot out study after study after study on gratitude and how it changes perspective, how it changes mood. It is fantastic. And that's a whole show on that kind of stuff. Something I will add to that. Find something that you love that rejuvenates you and make sure you do that regularly and you protect that. So, for example, mine is... When I was racing full time, I would, after every ride, sit down and do a 45 minute stretch watching some sort of some show that I really liked. And I loved that time. I can't Great do British that every bake day. Off. Great British no. British Bake Off. No. Not even slightly. <laughs> You're missing out, man. You're so missing out. Every weekend, usually on Saturday, I go out for my ride and then I come back and I have my now hour to oh. stretch watching a show and so this summer it has been stranger things oh you got it okay and even though i absolutely want to binge watch that show and see what happens next just forcing it's yourself. such a great hour for me yeah it's, it's awesome, i will right? only so like the, i'm on the final episode now which is like two and a half hours long mm. and i finish my stretch in the middle and i'm like I have to stop it. I'm not gonna. I'm not because I, <laughs> I I want this so much next weekend. Oh my god, my wife would wait. kill you. We're, we're watching Game of Thrones right now. Finally watching that uh -huh. show, and we're getting to the point where I, you know, we finish an episode, and she looks at me and goes, "We got to start another one." I'm like, no, it's ten o'clock at night. We got to go to bed. We have to do it now. We just got to start it. She's she's not a patient woman. Things like that. <laughs> we love you, Breeze. <laughs> But now that we've ruined Grant's marriage, I think we're, no, we're no, done no, here today. Great. I'm going to play this for her for sure. There you go. Well, Grant, Trevor, I just want to say great job today, guys. Yeah, I think we did a really nice job today. I think we should be really proud of ourselves. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, too. Thank you. Appreciate right. that. Do you guys want me to leave? You can have no, the room to yourself. No, I'm proud of you, too. Yeah, I'm proud Trevor. of you, too, Trevor. Yeah. You did really, really well. And I'm really proud of you for doing that Zwift race the other day. Are you? I yeah. am. Yeah. I, it could have been easy to just bail, and instead you got something out of it. I think that's important. And, and I, that was and I not forgive the words you for doing would, the Zwift race. Like, do we need to do a big group hug here? Are we getting into that, that phase here? No, 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 no. We don't have to touch each other. <laughs> that's why Beep. we're all separate. <laughs> oh, if that was that a good episode. That was another episode telling. of Fast Talk. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. I don't know it. Doesn't matter. Just say whatever you want. None of us know it. Rob? That was another episode of Fast Talk. Please like and subscribe because we're awesome and you love listening to us. Join the conversation at forums.fasttalklabs.com and Trevor is opening his computer. The only <laughs> this person is like with me a not finishing my intervals, okay? We're doing this right. For Trevor Connor and Grant Holicky, I'm Rob Pickles. Thanks for listening. Nope, not acceptable. Are you going to forgive me? No. The attitudes, conversations, expressions, and moments of joy expressed on this episode are not indicative <laughs> of Fast Talk as a whole. They are those of the individual. Not of the company? I don't know. Don't sue us. <laughs> don't, don't sue Trevor. <laughs> don't sue Trevor. <laughs> I'm an independent contractor. <laughs> yeah, you're really protected. Unless you, do you have your own insurance, I hope? I do, I do, I do. 
I do. Well, then sue Grant because he's coming. Don't sue me. <laughs> that was another episode of Fast Talk. Subscribe to Fast Talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts. I'm amazed you guys aren't talking over me on this. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review. The thoughts and opinions expressed in Fast Talk are those of the individual. <laughs> there we go. We said all of this. Just so As you know. always, we love your feedback. See? Join the conversation at forums.fasttalklabs.com or tweet us at... God, I can't even read. Tweet us with... Uh, tweet at us He has it in front of him. Well, it's horribly written. Head to fasttalklabs.com to get access... Well, we need to work on your English to get access to our endurance sports knowledge base, coach continuing education, as well as our in-person and remote athlete services. For Grant okay. Holicky <laughs> and Trevor Connor, I'm Rob Pickles. Thanks for listening. <laughs>